0: Let's pray together, church, shall we? Father, we come to you in the name of Jesus with the understanding that for God so loved the world that he sent his son and that God is love and how we need that love. And I want to pray for those women who are here who are far away from their mom or their children this morning by death or distance or differences or a disease like COVID or dementia. Those moms who have lost children to miscarriage or misunderstanding or abortion or tragedy, those women are here. Those women who have never been able to have children (laughs) and those women who would gladly give their child to the highest bidder this morning. For those women who feel like they became a mom too early in life or too late in life, and those moms who feel like a failure right now, I'm grateful, Jesus, that you wipe away guilt and shame at the cross. I pray for those moms whose adult children have left the nest But they're too busy with their lives to call or contact, and how they're missed. And those helicopter moms who are hovering over their children, attempting to protect them, and others who worship their children, and others who are living their lives through their children, they're all here. And we pray, Father, for those who are naturals at nurturing and this whole motherhood thing and those who struggle with the guilt of wondering why motherhood just isn't quite clicking for them. And Moms who are working outside the home and wish they didn't have to and are agonizing over missing so many firsts and those new moms who really didn't sign up for this, it is way too hard. And those who have adult children who have wandered away from the faith and pierced their mother's heart. And those women who are praying for wisdom about what to do with their own aging mom right now, and those moms who are living alone by circumstance or abuse or abandonment or death, and those women who are among us living a lie right now, and those women among us right now who desire to live out, sold out for Jesus, we're all here, Lord. We're all here before you, calling out to you. And you love every woman here. You know, you care, you hurt with them, you laugh with them. And I pray that every mom, every woman here today would know you and love you and trust you and follow you and influence others for your kingdom's sake. Because we understand the truth, that charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Give her the reward she has earned and let her works bring her praise. Father, I thank you and praise you for every woman here today, every mom here today. Because you are truly good no matter what the circumstances tell us. And you are faithful and you are loving. And I'm so glad for that love as we pray together in Jesus name amen i wanted to open with that bit of soberness because the older i get and the more years i spend in ministry the more i understand that mother's day mother's day is a secular holiday foisted on us as a money-making tool in most regards and the number of women that agonize this day is amazing. And it's, not a, it's all cracked up to be. It's not like the Hallmark Cardinal, the commercials that you see on TV. There's a lot of pain, and there's a lot of pain in this room right now as we think about this day. But I want to bring us back to the Word of God and the truth that exists There. It is right to give these women praise. A woman who fears the Lord is to be greatly praised. And there's a number of them sitting right in this room and across sanctuaries in our community and beyond. And I praise God for that. Thank you. Thank you for your faithfulness in all that you are doing in showing us the love of Jesus, showing your family the love of Jesus. Not perfect, not perfect. But your eyes are on him. John wrote this. Jesus' mother stood at the foot of the cross. Jesus saw his mother and the disciple he loved standing near her. He said to his mother, woman, here is your son. Then to the disciple, here is your mother. And from that moment, the disciple accepted her as his own mother. Now, you probably won't hear this spoken about on Mother's Day very often, but I think there's profound truth here. Profound truth. Here we find Jesus gasping for every breath. He's slowly dying in agony for the sin of the world, for your sin and mine. From that elevated position on the cross, he's been watching. He sees who's there. He sees his own mother, the one who comforted him through all of childhoods, cuts and scrapes, all of childhood's bruises and bullying and being fully human. I imagine his mind in a moment fleeting to that time when he ran home to mom and finding great comfort wrapped in her protective, loving embrace. But Jesus is dying. Make no mistake about it. Now as an adult, in the final minutes of his physical life, he sees her at the foot of the cross. She is heartbroken. She is weeping. She is angry. She is frightened. She doesn't understand. But she's thinking back to that moment that she was told that this would happen. Now understand, Mary is not the mother of God. Did you hear what I said? Mary is not the mother of God. Stay true to the word. Mary is not the mother of God. Mary is the mother of Jesus. God honored her and allowed her to give birth, conceived in the Holy Spirit, to the Son of God, God in the flesh. And at that moment, his heart goes out to her as he sees her weeping there. In that moment, rather being consumed by his own dilemma, the fact that he's dying one inch at a time, one breath at a time, he is moved with compassion By her own agony, as only Jesus could do, he looks beyond himself to those like you and me. And there, in that moment, his own mother, as Mary's firstborn, Jesus is legally and morally responsible to make sure she has a place to live and food to eat after he is gone. He is the firstborn son. It's assumed that Joseph was dead at this point, so Jesus entrusts his mother to John's care. And by doing that, he is honoring his mother, making sure she is taken care of. Today, today, we begin a new series called Pandemic Perspectives, and these have been challenging months for all of us and for each of us and moms for sure. Between closed schools and childcare facilities, job losses, the possibility of being exposed to COVID if you go to work, all that kind of stuff, few families have escaped this whole pandemic problem. So many questions. <clears throat> How can a parent go to work if schools and daycare are closed? Man, remember wrestling with all that stuff? How is a mom supposed to work from home while at the same time supervising your children's online learning? That seems impossible. What happens with children during after school hours? And moms wonder how she can keep her kids from being babysat by an iPad so she can remain sane at least for a moment. Real questions. Moms have been cut off from their children's grandparents, cut off from childcare, cut off from friends, cut off cut off from support systems, they've missed out on graduations, they've missed out on births and funerals, their daughters' proms, family vacations, and they have juggled remote school and remote jobs or being forced, uh, they feel, into a position of putting their families at risk by being in person wherever they're called to go. Hmm. But after a year of forced hibernation, I believe moms are ready to emerge from their pandemic caves There is hope. I think the circumstances of the pandemic have created uh, kind of an unexpected reset for families. I think this is very healthy. I think it's very good. I I do. And I believe God is calling some families to simplify their lives if you are bold enough. Because things are going to get busy all over again. Some moms are hesitant to return to work, to full-time office kinds of things. Understanding the toll that it took on their families. And now that the pandemic is beginning to ease, one mom says the running was killing us and exhausting us. I don't want to go back to that and want to find a way to stay slow without completely withdrawing from society. Ah, These are interesting times. And we have choices to make, friends. We have choices to make. This morning, we got four moms who have agreed to honestly share about their journey and offer us some pandemic perspectives. I like it when we get raw here at Arise and just kind of tell the truth and tell our stories. These are very refreshing times for me. So I'm going to invite Jen and Sarah and Lisa and Amber uh, to come on up. And thank you for your courage. Let's welcome them. Yay, 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 yay. yay. I think we'll pull these up just a little. Great. So we got a mic for everybody. Oh, and an extra one. Good. Good. Well, have a seat, ladies. Uh, thank you for being willing to do this. You all come from different perspectives. And uh, I was talking to Jen earlier. She said if she didn't have to do this, this morning, she wouldn't be here. Why? Because Callum kept her up all night long. Yeah, and and now he's sleeping, of course. It's in in Dad's arms. Yeah, that's the way it normally works. (laughs) But thank you for your willingness to share. Thank you. I appreciate that. And each of you are in different phases and stages of life and uh, are going to bring your own perspective to what we are sharing this morning. So uh, let me just start. What's this last year been like uh, in a very practical way. How did you occupy your little ones when the parks were closed? Wasn't that a fun time? Yeah, right. What was it like having a child across the ocean in Europe during the pandemic and she's fighting her own battles there and you can't go and see her? Uh, these are tough kinds of things. What did it look like to juggle work and kids and marriage and having a baby and your husband going into ministry and... Oh my goodness, it's been quite a year for all of you. So I'd like you to share, I'd just like you to share, what's this last year been like? Just give us a snapshot. Uh, Sarah, why don't we start with you?
1: Um, is this on? Yeah, okay. So not a lot. I work in a medical office, um, so that was kind of interesting because things changed a lot um, as far as work perspective, but I don't, I'm not a nurse, I do office work, um, so I was actually sent home for... Not all of it. I worked half days. Um, And so then I'd go in in the morning and then go home. Um, So that was different because I worked for surgeons. And so obviously elective surgeries were canceled. And so there was not a lot a lot to do in that respect, but um, it was actually nice, because then I got home, and Jared would be done with school by that time, and so we'd be able to have lunch together, and then every day we went for a walk with my mom and dad, and, you know, just kind of, that was nice to have that time, Um, just different, you know, to have that time together with Jared.
0: So life slowed down a bit for you. A little bit, yeah. Yeah, and allowed you to build in some relationship you wouldn't have. Good. Uh, How did it go with Jared during that time?
1: Oh, it was good. I mean, his school did a great job as far as they got him right on track, and they they had class, you know, they had to log in in the morning, and they had a Zoom class for every single class. So they were, um, they had a schedule, and he had to keep it, and so it was able to help keep him on track. Um, so I, I don't think I would have been able to do it with um, if he would have been in grade school. Because as a high schooler, he was able to be independent and, and had it all done by the time and kept on track. But, yeah, so that was, that was helpful.
0: So not a lot of chaos is what I'm hearing. It's just a, making adjustments along the way. Correct. Good, yeah. good. Jen, how about you? Are you still awake? Oh, yeah, good.
2: <laughs> um, the last year for us was definitely chaotic because we had change on top of change on top of change. Um, Ryan and I got married last year in January after a very short engagement, which a lot of people didn't understand, including ourselves, but now I'm thinking God really knew what he was doing and he totally <laughs> made that happen because isolation would have been really, really hard for me with three kids doing it on my own and him in recovery trying to do that on his own because isolation's not good for anybody in those circumstances. No. Um no. but I work for Head Start, I'm a family advocate. So I'm used to um, a pretty active day. I'm helping out in classrooms. I'm going into homes to do home visits with families. And because we're kind of tied into the school district, when the school district made the decision to shut down, that shut down our offices too. So I was working from home and trying to help three kids do their stuff from home, their schooling from home. And there's no focus. You can't do anything well when you're trying to do both of those things together because my kids were kindergarten age fourth grade and high school, so the high schooler could kind of do it, but also she learned real quick that virtual is not working real well for her. Um, my fourth grader the entire time was basically begging to go back, wondering how long until he got to go back, and my kindergartner was doing, like, headstands basically on the Zoom meeting. so God bless kindergarten teachers because I don't know how they do it. Um, One thing I did find really fun, though, was being able to kind of sit and listen a little bit to hear how the different teachers were teaching, what their teaching style was. Um, I don't think we give teachers enough credit for honestly just doing the best they can because they were not trained to do virtual lessons. Let's be real. None of us were trained to go into a completely virtual lifestyle, and our teachers really have done an amazing job just dealing with the best that they had, and our students, too. Um, working from home was not a good time for me. Um, I'm an introvert by nature, but I need to choose to be introverted. I don't like being forced into it, so um, just the isolation for me was really hard, um, it was good for relationship building in a new marriage, getting to spend extra time with my husband that I wouldn't have had otherwise, getting to spend time with my kids that I wouldn't have otherwise had, although being with your kids 24-7 with no escape at all is also really hard. Um, lots and lots of fighting, especially with the two boys, because they were bored, um, didn't see extended family at all. I haven't seen my grandparents in a year and a half at this point because they've been so afraid of COVID. They've not met Callum. My own mother has never held Callum, which is crazy. He's going to be a year old in July, and today will be the first time she'll have the opportunity to to hold him. So it's just been interesting and isolating <laughs> and challenging, and we've dealt with a lot of stuff, but... That's been that year.
0: Thank you. Good, Lisa. Um,
3: this is this on? Mm-hmm. On? Okay. Um, the year when I look back and reflect on it, it was compartmentalized. You know, you have the initial where uh, COVID was just a buzz, and you're waiting to see what happens, what's going to happen. Oh, it's only in China, and then oh, it's in Europe. And so when everything hit the fan in New York and California and all that, um, Sheboygan was still very calm, Mm -hmm. yet we're all shut down. Um, We had, well, I had my own family crisis, which I was grateful I didn't have to see people um, when only, you know, things were locked down, people were not coming and going. So I was glad to not be around people at that time. Um, I miss our home group. It got smaller and we had videos sitting up and phones sitting up mm-hmm. trying to maintain the connection. Um, not quite the same. And then um, my daughter in Poland is not sure what she should do. Should I come home, mom? I said, nope, stay where you're at. Um, things are on virtual. I don't know how to adjust. What should I do? And I said, just ride with it. We all don't know where all this is going. No matter what people say, we don't know where, what all this is supposed to look like, you yeah. know. Um, and then the other compartment is when we were able to get her back in, uh, in the summer. And Sheboygan was slowly starting to get hit with a few case, more cases. And then I started working more in the hospital and started seeing more and um so you're kind of dealing with that emotion and then um september comes around and stasha's like do i go do i not go and i said you go you know so she hopped on the plane had to prove that she had a reason to be in poland and um was on a plane a pretty much empty plane um and then she got there, started school, one day on the phone, sheepishly tells me I've got COVID. I'm like, okay, the first person in, you know, anybody close to me, and I said, not to not to worry, just, you know, take care of yourself, stay away from ibuprofen, that's all we knew, you know, and just kind of hang in there. Um, she got over it, um, the sad thing is she was very ashamed to tell people about it, but Anyways, um, and then the other compartment was last fall where, where it was really, really hard. Um, Mr. Boygan got hit hard, you know. Um, so then now we have a relief in the hospital. Um, our COVID war- ward is no longer shut down and um, somewhat breathable for us. Still busy, but...
0: Good. Thanks, Lisa. Amber?
4: Um, well, when at first, like, everything shut down, I had been previously sick for two weeks already. And so we were, like, locked down two weeks prior to lockdown, um, <laughs> which was, like, added misery for me. Um, but, like, youth group... I was involved with, home group I was involved with, I was being mentored, I was with another two other ladies, so, like, all of that shut down, so anything I was part of was completely gone, and I was furloughed as well. I worked once a week, and so I had no outlets, and, like, no one came to visit for the first while, so it was me and Devin, who was one and a half, and uh, testing my limits (laughs) completely, (laughs) Um, so I broke down. A lot that first, probably March and April. Um, but then, like, once it started, like, my, fr- like, friends started coming over. Like, I'm pretty sure we were still locked down, but we had people over. And every time I'm pretty sure Rachel dropped something off. And I'm like, I hope she doesn't think we're just breaking the rules because we want to break the rules. <laughs> but, like, we always had someone over, it seemed like, because our- my, sa- my sanity was completely basically gone at that point. Yeah. And I'm like, I need people. Um, And, like, Sam was still going to work, so, because he was essential. Um, But, yeah, so I was completely isolated and alone. And, yeah, And we still went to parks because I was in the middle of a miserable pregnancy. And so I couldn't run or walk or do stuff with Devin. And so I would go to the parks because he could run and walk and I wouldn't have to um, because it hurt for me to do that. So I broke the rules. <laughs> <laughs> I was desperate, so. Um, but, and then I had a rough delivery with Michaela, or easy delivery, but like it was really difficult being in the hospital and not having anyone able to be there besides Sam, and like because of COVID, and like he couldn't come with me or he couldn't bring Michaela up and see me while I was in ICU, so I was separated from her for 24 hours, like right away. Um, and, like, my mom and my dad were, like, standing outside our window, like, looking at, in and seeing Michaela and seeing me, you know, before I'm going to surgery and then, like, after I'm back in the maternity ward. So that was hard because, well, um, COVID wouldn't let them come in kind of thing. So, um, yeah, I didn't really care about COVID. Um, and so, like, my family got sick and, like, we were sick. So like, I, I don't know, like it was just a really hard because I had so much anger from like everything shutting down and being so alone and isolated. So, yeah.
0: Good, good. And uh, that's in part two of this. A uh, lot of emotion here. What were your personal emotional struggles through this? How do you handle the fear, the loneliness, the isolation, the depression, discouragement? Where'd you turn and uh, what'd, what'd you learn but identify that emotion. Uh, that's what I'm asking you in this question, uh, just to kind of let us know that we're all going through this. Sarah, what you got?
1: Um, well, a lot of people know that I do not like change. Um, that's very hard for me. I, um, and I'm a very people person. I like to be with people. I like tradition. I like routine. Um, so COVID wrecked all of that. Um, and I, you know, I love being with my family, church family, and everything. So with church being shut down and holidays and you know parades and festivals and um, everything, and so dealing with that, I got annoyed and I would get you know angry. And I didn't have like depression necessarily, but I just would, I'd kind of be like, why is that person wearing a mask when they're in their car by themselves, or you know like <laughs> outside or something like that? And then John would be like. Um, why does it matter to you? Like, it's not affecting you, and you have to, you know, learn to be okay with what other people want to do. Mm -hmm. Um, So that was very eye-opening to realize how judgmental I was being. Um, Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of it came from hurt also um, because we had, um, you know, I mean, John couldn't go to a couple of his uncle's funerals because of the COVID, and... um, you know dealing he was very essential at the hospital, and so I was dealing with him um, being pulled in all sorts of directions and you know Jared was doing great, but then there was one day when he just like snapped and I 'm like, "What is going on?" Mm-hmm. And I had to realize that that was the day that his play would have been and um, and having to realize that what they needed as men. And I'm a woman, and I want to fix everything. And I want to be like, oh, okay. And that they just needed time to be by themselves, time to process, and that was hard for me. Um, Mm -hmm. And, like, Mm -hmm. my family was fine with getting together. But um, John's family was not. Mm -hmm. And so that was very hard when, you know, we haven't seen some of them for a year and a half. And, but to me, it, it hurt more because... They didn't want to get together with us, but it was okay for them to get together with their other side of their family. And that caused me to have anger and bitterness. And so that is something that God's been working on my heart. Um, And not just with the COVID situation, but I've realized that I've had some of this in other situations too that I've been dealing with recently. Um, So that definitely um, the Ephesians 4.31 Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, brawling, slander, along with every form of malice. God's been putting that on my heart. Um, And, again, like trying not to be judgmental and realizing that everybody has to do what they feel comfortable with and that it doesn't affect me, so it's okay. Um, And it's not, I'm not there yet, definitely. It's stuff that every, you know, I have to... God has to keep reminding me, but as I'm learning and working through this, I'm also able to help Jared with it, too, because he's been struggling with different things. And um, so we're learning together, and God's working on all that, on the heart.
0: Sarah, I am so proud of you. I really am. It takes a lot of courage to open your heart like that. And I want to say thank you. Well done. Good. Jen?
2: Um, I would say for me, I had some frustration, I had some overwhelm, and I had a lot of anxiety. Um, Kind of along the same lines as what Amber said, I had a really rough pregnancy, too. Um, I was planning my third home birth. That turned into a transfer to the hospital after 27 hours of absolutely nothing happening at home. Um, So that was... That was hard for me because I had zero idea whatsoever what I was walking into and knew that things were going to look very different than they would have at home. Um, our two girls had wanted to be present for the birth and weren't able to, so that was very disappointing for both of them because they wanted to be there for me and they wanted to be there to see who the little person was who was going to come into the world um, Everything went well, our our hospital staff was really good, um, but Callum had jaundice after he was born, and it just wasn't going anywhere, so that meant like every other day to the doctor, and of course, because of COVID, only I could go in. So I'm supposed to be resting, I'm supposed to be laying down doing absolutely nothing, And I instead had to haul the baby seat into the doctor's office every other day, so I was not healing the way that I was supposed to and that was causing some, an emotion, some emotional issues and total, like, first world problem. We did not have internet at the time because Spectrum couldn't get their crap together. So, like, my plan of laying in bed to recover watching Netflix all day long, it did not happen because they didn't fix the internet until, like, what was he, like three weeks old when they finally did it after coming out for the fourth time. So totally minor, ridiculous thing, but, you know, expectations versus reality. And when you've got COVID and you're isolated, nobody will come to see you because of COVID, what else do you have to do but binge Netflix while you're in bed with your baby all day, and I didn't get to do that, and so I guess I've got some bitterness with that too because this is what I wanted my postpartum to look like, and I absolutely did not get that. Um, But I guess I've had to just learn to kind of let that go and realize that... I'm okay and Callum's okay and so the postpartum period didn't look like I thought it was going to and at the end of the day that part really doesn't matter and also learning to respect um, kind of like Sarah said looking at where different people's comfort levels are because I would have liked like, I'm not big on having a ton of visitors after after I have a new baby I'm not like that but it would have been nice for my mother to come and visit and like I said She's seen him. She's laid eyes on him two or three times for like 10 minutes standing outside of the van, but she's never held him, and he's almost a year old, and that's, that's hard for me to, to swallow, but I have to respect that she feels like she's a danger to him until she has both of her COVID shots, which she does now, so today is the day, and that's okay. It took longer than what I feel it should have, but it's not all about me. So that's maybe the, the, the end thing. It's not all about me. There's more people than just me, and learning to respect other people is just something we need to do.
0: Very good. Lisa?
2: Um,
3: The struggle uh, took the form of different forms. Um, One of it was frustration and um, sadness. I think that was, you know, that was probably Mm -hmm. what I struggled with. Um, frustration because what was causing discord in this family was not in this family in this country in, in around me wasn't COVID. It was politics, you know, and how COVID and politics started presenting itself hand in hand. Um, mm. Mask, no mask, you know out no out, uh, people are sneaking around to make connections and have relationships um, because they 're afraid of judgment um, you know th- those kinds of things were breaking down relationships that I valued, you know, mm. and they were all mm. driven by fear. One side would say um, you know they're they 're so scared of you know, they'll make fun of the people who are scared of the virus, and then um, the other side would talk about the people who are not scared, you know. And in reality, I felt that for those who say that they're not afraid of the virus, deep down inside they're not admitting to the part of them that that really are afraid. And then the ones that are angry at those who are not wearing masks, deep down inside, they're not admitting to where they see certain policies being ridiculous. You know, I, I think that they're not being honest with themselves or each other and they're quick to be angry at those who are different or taking a different stance at them. And that's tearing a lot of friendships apart, uh, a lot of relationships apart. And, um, and as a mom, I try to assure all the different parties, just to maintain the relationships and just to help people understand that the root of all that is their own baggage and their own fear of whatever it is. You know, there are those who are afraid that our freedom will be be jeopardized if we submit. And then there are those who are afraid that, you know, America as we know it will not be the same if we don't wear a mask or we do wear a mask or Whatever it is they define their their country to be, you know, and it all for a while they 're boiled down to a little piece of fabric you know and um, that was frustrating that that was really challenging because I see relationships that I value you know being questioned and and, and challenged so um, and then the other emotional part was the sadness that I see. Uh, people coming in and family not being able to see them as they die and um, seeing family sit outside the glass door watching their husband or their wife die and there could only be one person sitting outside that glass watching um, and not being able to say anything, do anything, touch anything I can go in and touch the patient but the family couldn't you know and, um, I mean, just a lot of sadness going through during that, the fall, you know. Um, and I learned from Nick to pray over the patient while I'm working with the patient, and they can't respond, they can't hear me, but keep on praying over them, um, if nothing else, for our own coping. Um, I think that's it. You know, As far as the family goes, uh, going out, being able to go out and all that, we, we take walks. We don't have little ones, so we don't have that frustration. Um, but keeping the family unit cohesive together, because I do feel the media and what's out there, if you let it come into the home, the politics will tear you guys apart. You know, Bill Kerwin has reminded me a few times, you know, God's in control, and that has helped, you know, and and trust the process, so.
0: Good, good, thanks. Amber?
4: Uh, If you name an emotion, I probably had it this year. Um, (laughs) I I think I started so angry at COVID because I felt like it was taking everything away from me. Um, And then, like, there's hope and there's other things, but, like, it started with anger um, and not being able to see people. Um, And then that made me feel alone, which made me feel more anger. And then, like, I was definitely anxious about different things and um, kind of what she said about, like, it separates people. And I'm like, I don't want to be so angry that I hurt other people, but I'm Mm -hmm. like, I'm so angry right now. Um, And then, like with the difficult, um, postpartum birth, um, that was really hard and I was angry again and I was sad again and I was lonely again. Um, so I definitely had a lot of anxiety this year. Even when I was preparing for today, I had anxiety because I'm like, I have to talk about this really, really crappy year. Um, and so I had anxiety just thinking about it. So I did this this week because every time I thought about it, I couldn't sleep. Um, and so I had a really bad year is what I say. Um, mm-hmm. And there was just a lot happened and not all of it was COVID related, but COVID made it harder. Yeah. And so yeah. um, with Michaela, it was harder with a rough pregnancy, not having help, That was hard um, with Sam switching jobs. And like, that was a whole thing. And Michaela had <laughs> a couple, not major issues, but like, she had to go to the doctor's a couple extra times. And with insurance changing and all of that, jazz, like, everything was just more, um, and there was just a lot of anxiety, and I didn't realize it was, like, anxiety until later. So it's like I didn't know how to deal with it because I didn't realize it. Um, same with depression. Like, this winter was not great in any capacity. Um, and so, like, even though I felt like I dealt with the initial anger, or I dealt with, like, my brother was going through a broken marriage, so, like, that was emotion for me, too, so it's, like, all these different things, like, I was, like, I thought I dealt with them, dealt with them, I talked through them a couple times, but not to an extent of, like, coming into peace with them, and so I... I'm still obviously having issues with everything that happened this year, um, which I'm going to go counseling for, because I'm like, I can't deal with it. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. I don't know how to deal with it. So, yeah.
0: Thank you, Amber. I I thank you guys for your honesty. I do. And uh, next week we're going to talk about... Uh, how the impact uh, we can talk about perspectives of the pandemic but the impact on the family and I believe that there were issues before COVID that got stuffed down and now they're under layers and uh, how are we going to handle this? Is Jesus enough to deal with these things? These four women would say yes. It doesn't mean the battle goes away or the struggle any less real but I admire your faith through all of this. I do. I do. So let's close with uh, something a little more upbeat. Maybe there was a crazy COVID kind of situation that happened that uh, uh, you found amusing or you found uh, humorous in your own family. Sarah, you got one? Well, I mean, it's
1: the three of us. It's always, you know, I mean, since we only have Jared, then it's always just the three of us. I mean, there's a few things that we had... um, you know, we enjoyed making learned how to make homemade pasta and we bought a fire wood fire a fire pizza oven so we are, you know, experimented with making homemade pizzas. But my favorite story um, was for Easter last year and so my dad wanted to get together all of our family. Now my sister has eight kids, so there's ten just with her, plus then there's two girlfriends for her kids and you know, then my mom and dad and the three of us. So there was like I don't know, 16 people or 17 or something, and we had it at our house, but that was also when you weren't supposed to be getting together with more than like five or six people, so um, my mom was kind of concerned that the neighbors would be like, you know, tell on mm-hmm. us or something, so um, what we did was everybody kind of came separately and so like some people parked down the block and somebody across around the block and on the next block and then some would come into the front door and then in the back door and we'd have people coming you know two or three at a time um, so that they didn't look like we had a big group but then as we're all together it's getting warm in the house, and so, well, then the door opens and the curtains open and the windows open because it's hot and we're being loud and having a enjoyable time as a family, so our whole sneaking around did not really help at all because I'm sure the whole neighborhood could, could hear us laughing and having a good time, so that was fun. Excellent. Good.
0: Jen?
2: I have racked my brain to think of any specific examples, and I really couldn't think of anything, but I just think that if I look back at... Um, The last year as a whole and the time that the kids were home, we just had a lot more time together. So it was just overall, in spite of the challenges of having the kids home all the time and the extra fighting and everything, we did have more time together. I got to learn some different interesting things about the kids and how they handle their challenges and, like I said, just being able to sit down next to them and hear how they're teachers are teaching and how they were participating in their classes virtually, that was really fun and worth it for me.
0: Very good. Lisa?
3: Um, did you guys learn to do Zoom during the pandemic? Yeah? <laughs> Didn't hear about Zoom before, right? So, okay, Zoom. I did my yoga on Zoom. I did my uh, um, Zumba on Zoom so that my family decided... Zumba-Zoom. My family in Australia and Malaysia and and daughter in Poland, we all decided, let's all meet on Zoom. I I had a trip planned, by the way, and that was canceled. So we did a thing on Zoom. I don't know what we thought maybe we could have meaningful conversation but when you have 20 people on the screen and everybody tries to talk at the same time especially the kids and you haven't seen each other for a long time and they're going so that was an experience in a, in its own and then all of a sudden I notice you guys who's that person right there and they're like, who? I say, look carefully. There's an Elizabeth there. Who's Elizabeth? There's, there was this blonde lady, about age about 70, it's there. The face was there, and she's just like, just animated. We took a screenshot because we still don't know who Elizabeth is. <laughs> You still don't know. <laughs> I didn't know you she's could crash them. She's white. I mean all these Asian faces <laughs> and this white face there. It's <laughs> just trying to blend in, I don't know.
0: <laughs> oh, that's great. Thank you. <laughs> Good Amber um kind of
4: like Jen I was trying to think of something and there was nothing that really stood out I even asked Sam like what was something funny and we both actually had the same memory but it was before COVID and it was with home group um but so like I my favorite ones is my kids um even though like I've had I've not had an easy year like my kids are my um my happy thing my joy um and Devin sings, and mm-hmm. he'll sing, like, you are my all-in-all all with me when I sing him to bed. Or he'll sing Veggie Tales, like, belly button, ooh-ooh. Um, <laughs> so it's like, those things are, like, those are my favorite things he does, like, his yes. singing, and, yeah, so.
0: Yeah, good. And I, it reminds me of Mary storing those treasures up in her heart. Well, thank you, ladies. This has been good. It's been rich. Let's pray, church. Father, thank you. I thank you that we can be honest with you and with one another and I'm grateful that in the end you win I'm grateful that in the end you are in control and we are not I'm grateful Father that uh, your plan is unfolding and nothing will derail that and that your plan is always one of love Thank you, Father. For some of us, we've just survived this last year plus. Uh, For some of us, we've learned some profound truth about ourselves and about your faithfulness and goodness and greatness. But wherever we are in our journey, I pray that we would mutually encourage one another all the more as we see the day of your return drawing near And Lord, I am grateful that each of us has a story to share and I pray that this would be a place of great freedom and intimacy and transparency and that we can uh, together move toward your kingdom and being more like Jesus, not just in here, but more importantly, in our community. Thank you for providing this facility for us. Uh, Thank you, Lord, for your goodness to us. And now we ask that you complete of the good work that you've begun in each of us and in all of us together. And we'll thank you in Jesus' name. Together, all God's people said. Let's thank these ladies, shall we? Good. Elizabeth. Not You're not the same, Elizabeth, but... <laughs>